we're going to look at Mark chapter 4 this morning, and, and what we're going to do is, what have we seen Mark do throughout the gospel of Mark so far, and he continues to do? Make sandwiches. He's a sandwich man. He's a deli dude. He, he takes these stories and he puts them together for us, and it's not so much of what, what people would like in the details of each story, but he takes four or five stories at a time and he clumps them together and he gives you a slice of bread and he fills it in with the, you know, and then he puts another piece and you get this picture that he wants to demonstrate to us. And, and this chapter four, it's the same thing, except this time, instead of it being focused on an individual point like each sandwich has been, this one is a compilation of five of Jesus's parables that he tells the people and what he does is instead of mark spreading these throughout the whole gospel he takes all five and he squishes them together and he shows us what the intention of jesus was when he was preaching about the kingdom of god it's a really different approach that we don't really see too often in scripture and it's kind of fresh it's cool to look at things from a different perspective and see what mark has for us and, and what the Lord has for us, really, through his word and what he wants to teach us this morning. Mark chapter 4 begins by saying, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching listen behold a sower went out to sow now the reason that i went to that first part of jesus speaking beginning to teach in the parable what's the first thing that he said to them listen now i don't know about you guys but how many of you have have had the opportunity to say i told you so and why do you say that to somebody? Why do you say that to your kids, to your spouse? I have to say it to my spouse all the time. Why do you have to say it to people? And why do you enjoy saying it to people? That's a better question. Because the focus being, I was right, you were wrong, I tried to warn you, and this is, this is the reality, like go back and do it right the next time. I told you so. And if Jesus could have any, if Jesus had the opportunity more than any of us do to say this phrase over and over and over again, he, he would, he could, he was able. In fact, in not the same words, he says it his, to his disciples and his apostles throughout the Gospels. How long do I have to bear with you guys? Why do you keep asking me the same questions? I already answered that. I told you. And now, as he's teaching this vast multitude, it's so big now that they're on the sea, and he has to retire into the water in a boat. And if you go over to Israel, they take you to a spot they believe is this spot, and the acoustics of the area are phenomenal. And they say if you're on a boat out in the, out in the sea a little bit, and you talk to them, the acoustics of the valley, the way that it's formed, allows you to speak to thousands of people, and they can all hear you. So picture Jesus in a boat, thousands of people following him, and what he says to them, the first thing before he starts to teach is, listen, listen to me. 
And now, in, in my position, you know, this is one of those phrases that I try not to say because I would be really repetitive. I talk to brothers and sisters. We, we, we counsel. We go through things in life. And it's not really worth taking in or worth considering unless it's the truth, right? I don't give people my opinion. I don't give them what I think they should do because I'm a smart guy. Well, that aside, we want to give them the truth. Give them the word. This is the word of God giving truth. And when we respond to the truth by listening, our lives change. So if we call ourselves a Christian and we say, well, we're a Christian, we go to church, we do the things that we're supposed to do, we tithe, etc., etc., but our life is still hard, our life is still difficult, this thing is still happening, well, maybe it's not just a season, maybe you're not listening. Maybe God is instructing you, he's giving you direction, he's telling you what you need to hear, but you're not processing it and responding accordingly. This is one of the most important things for me personally as a believer, not the listening part, (laughs) because I'm probably just as bad as anybody. But the Lord's speaking part, God, speak to me. I want to hear you. I don't want to just do my own thing. I haven't heard from you in a long time. I was praying this prayer not too long ago, and it's, I probably shouldn't tell you guys this because you think I'm super holy and stuff. At least that's what people say. But I was praying. I was like, Lord, I haven't heard from you in a long time. What's going on? You know, what's up? Not too, uh, not too many couple days later, I'm, I'm, uh, I shared this with the Wednesday night service. I'm laying in bed one morning and, and I had a dream. And in the dream, I was laying in bed. Have you ever had one of those dreams before? You're laying in bed like you're in bed like you are. And I was laying in bed in my dream, and I heard somebody knock on the door. And, and I thought to myself in my dream, like, why is somebody knocking? It's like 5 o'clock in the morning. People these days have no respect. I get texts at midnight, and people are knocking on my door at, at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm not getting up. I don't care who it is. I grabbed my 9 millimeter. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. So, I, so in my dream, I say, I'm not going to answer the door. I go back to sleep. And then not too much time goes by. I don't know how much time. It seemed like a half an hour or so. You don't know in dreams, right? <laughs> and I wake up in my bed. And I'm laying in bed awake. I'm like, oh, it's too early to be awake. I want to go back to sleep. And I hear this knock on the front door. And I'm like, oh, man, they're back. I was like, wait, that wasn't before. That was a dream before. Somebody's really at my front door. And I thought to myself, it's way too early for people to be coming to my house and knocking on the door. I'm not getting up. And I laid in bed and the Lord spoke to me and said, Tim, behold, I stand at the door and knock. At your door. You say you haven't heard from me in a while. Maybe it's time to let me in so that I can speak to you, so we can have a meal, so we can sup with one another. I'm like, Lord, that's harsh. Do you know what the verses before that say? Talking about lukewarm and stuff. I'm not lukewarm, Lord. I'm here. But it was a good reminder. It was a, it was a hey, are you where you want to be? 
Are you willing to hear? Are you listening? Or are you just busy doing what you think you have to do and you're really not listening? I got a text message a little bit later. And I'm like, who's texting me this early in the morning? And I pick up my phone and there's a text from a sister in the body that says, hey, I dropped off a loaf of bread for you. Just want to let you know that I loved you. I got a fresh loaf of bread for myself, and I wanted to give one to you. And I'm like, man, Lord, I'm going to stop asking for you to speak to me because I'm not feeling encouraged right now. No, but I was. You know, I was. Like, thank you, God. Sometimes we want God to speak to us, and we're not really willing to hear what he has to say. Right? Right? That's why we're not willing to listen. That's why we don't internalize it. If you look on the internet, if you look, ask the internet. We're going to start a show called Ask the Internet. If you ask the internet, what is the reason why people don't listen while you're talking? There are dozens of lists of reasons why. It's incredible. Well, it could be this. Here's a list of five things. Here's a list of 16 things. Here's the top 99 reasons people don't listen. I'm like, this is crazy, and everybody has a different thought about it, you know? But there was one that I liked. I read this one that said, the reason, one reason why people don't listen is because they're narcissists. (laughs) That word has really been used a lot lately. They love themselves more than whatever you have to say. That's crazy. And then I start to think, like, in the context of what we're about to read, Why did Jesus have to be so serious and emphatic about them listening? And if he was going to tell them to listen, why did he do it in a parable? Which made it a little bit more difficult to understand, right? So we see these five parables that Jesus starts to to give to us, and then we see the key... Through this parable, this parable unlocks for us the key to understanding all parables if we ever read them in the scripture. We can refer back to this, the parable of the sower, and we can see what the key is to understanding it. So let's pick up verse 3. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is telling this story, what we would know as a parable. A parable, the reason it's called parable is because it's something that you, you couple or pair along with a truth that you're trying to get people to understand. And he says, this is the parable. There was a, a sower that went out to sow seed. And we're familiar with this story. He's going and sowing seed. One of the things that stand out to us about the sower is this isn't really how people sow seed, is it? It's not really. 
You don't see people with a seed basket, Johnny Appleseed or what have you, walking through the desert places, throwing seed everywhere, right? There's some rocks. Who cares? You know, like, you are a farmer. You are preparing the soil. You want a crop. You're going to have it as much prepared and, and ready as possible to, to receive an abundance of produce because that's what you do. You're a sower. But the first thing that we learn from the parable of the sower is that God's word, what we will see, the seed that's being sowed is, is undeniably being sown everywhere. God has a vast resource in the seed. And he's willing that, that anywhere the seed might be able to, to grow, anywhere there might be able to be some fertile soil, it's, it's done in liberal. In liber- I was going to say liberality. Is that a word? Thank you. In liberality, he's sowing the seed anywhere that it might take root in good soil. And this speaks something to me, apart from what the parable means when Jesus breaks it down. We see the heart and intention of God, that he's not holding anything back. First of all, maybe he's saying it in a parable, but he's not holding anything back in regards to wanting people to receive the word. When, when we traveled more, you know, we would travel around the world and I would share with people as, as, every, as often as I could at airports, at bus stops. We were always meeting people, always sharing with them, always hoping for an opportunity to share the gospel. And I would have these people in, in, all over the place, wherever we were. And I'd be sharing with them and they're like, okay, I hear, I hear what you're saying. You know, have you ever heard? I've asked this before. Have you ever heard this before? No, I haven't ever heard it before. And, and, and then they, they get wise, and they're like, wait a minute. What about, the, what about the people in Africa right now who've never heard what you're telling me? What about them? Are they going to go to hell because somebody didn't go tell them? My, my, my response is, how do you know? Here I am talking to you. You're too blind to see that God wants you to understand and receive this information. How do you know that there's not someone just like me in Africa talking to people there and telling them? You don't know. In fact, maybe it's a good point to bring up uh, and, and again reiterate that we're talking about it. You're hearing God is sending people all over the world to scatter seed. And one of the things that we can be praying for, if we're not the scatterers, one thing that we can be praying for here, and as a part of the body of Christ, uh, partake in, is that God would be preparing the soil of people's hearts. Because you can't do anything about whether, you know, the type of soil that you're sowing it on. You just have to sow. And God is the one that prepares people's hearts. We'll see that a little bit more as we get into how Jesus gives the explanation of the parable. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things in parables 
are in parables so that seeing they may not perceive and hearing they may not hear, they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins should be forgiven them. To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. And then he quotes a verse in Isaiah. Why do you think Jesus is having to have this conversation with those people who are the closest to him? If they were given the mystery or the secret of the kingdom, Jesus shouldn't have to explain it, should he? I mean, if you think about it, like, so what's the key to understanding parables? The key is not figuring it out, being in the multitude and thinking about it and trying to work out allegorically what Jesus is talking about. The key to understanding the parable is being connected to Jesus. That's the key. You have to be connected to Jesus. He's the one that gives the information. He's the one that gives the key to understanding what it means. And if you don't have a connection with Jesus Christ, then it's more difficult to understand. Now, the theology of this, uh, this quote is that he would be the Messiah. He would come to the nation of Israel, but fulfilling Scripture, they would reject him. And it was through the rejection of the nation of Israel as Jesus as the Messiah that it was going to be opened up for all of the rest of the world to receive the seed of God. So some of them can understand. Some of them can come and ask Jesus. Do you think if one of those people in the crowd came to Jesus and said, hey, I'd really like to know what that meant. I didn't understand it. He'd say, no, not for you. It was those who asked him. It was those who were connected to him. It was those that wanted to know. And he said to them, verse 13, do, not, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Jesus acts surprised. <laughs> you guys don't get it? Why not? Oh, are we supposed to get it, Jesus? We don't understand anything. That's that, how they were acting a lot of the time. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for those other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on a good ground. Those who hear the word accept it, bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. Let's look again at the beginning to get the point of what Jesus is trying to say to them. He said to them, do, not, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? What Jesus is saying is, this parable gives us what we need to understand all of the other parables. What is the key word in this parable that's connected to the other parables? What's the emphasis and the focus that we will also see is also... Uh, 
similar in, in all the other parables we can read. The seed is one. The seed is being God's word to the people. God speaking to his people. And with that premise, we'll see how we can understand the other parables as well. But as he goes on in verse 15 and said, these are the ones by the wayside where the the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes a word that was sown in their hearts. I have to say that over over the the years that, that I've been involved in ministry, I have seen this example, all of these examples, so clearly in people's lives with the sowing of the word. And, and maybe there's an initial gospel presentation and a falling uh, uh, to the wayside. And, and Satan comes into an individual's life and because it was sown in a way where there was no fertile soil, he snaps, snatches it up from their life and they don't receive it and are able to have any growth. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. We've seen this example as well. There's questions, you know, like how can this person who seemed to be so legitimately touched by God and responsive to God only have gone for a short period of time before they're back doing the things that they were before. They had no root. And so endure only for a time afterward. When tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the people who hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word. It becomes unfruitful. You know, everything that the world has to offer that that it boasts in is contrary to the word of God. Everything. Everything that they take confidence in. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's all contrary to what God wants for people. And it's difficult for everybody because as we receive the word of God in the form of the initial gospel and God continuing to sow his seed into our lives, as we receive it and there's a response, what happens, you know, is God starts to change us. We don't look at things like the world looks at them anymore. We don't find pleasure in the, in the things that the world identifies as pleasurable or what happiness looks like for them. But then after a while, we see things that are appealing, that the world says is supposed to be appealing. Relationships, finances. And there starts to be a shift from, uh, away from God's word. And when the shift is made away from God's word, then the things that are supposed to be in the world standards appealing start to become appealing to somebody who, who may have received the word at first. And then if you compare them, and you've already got a, a step out or you're walking in the wrong direction, or you're going in that direction, it starts to choke out the truth of God. And the, the more you go, the more it gets choked out. Do you know what 
what these verses and that one specifically say to me, it makes me concerned. It makes me think, if this is true, how often does it happen? And who does it happen to? And why, if anybody would ever receive the word of God and see the fruit in their life from it, why would they want anything else other than that? I need it. I need this word of God to dwell in. Then look at the last one, uh, uh, verse 20. Those, but these of, are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. And some 30-fold, some 30 some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. What are we talking about? A sower sowing seed everywhere, and there's a patch of fertile ground that some seed falls in, and it's, it's ground that's ready to receive it, and not only is it going to produce fruit, but it's going to produce an exponential amount of fruit. This is why we look in the book of Acts and we see the, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit powerfully changes people's lives. And it produces fruit that's unparalleled. And as we go on through life, these things still apply to us in that we still continue to hear God's word. And we can be hearers of the word. Like James says, be not only hearers of the word, be doers also. Why did he have to say that? Because there were people in the church who were willing to be hearers of the word, but they weren't willing to be doers. The question is, unfortunately, are you a hearer of the word only, or are you a hearer and a doer? Are you? Am I? Am I a hearer and a doer of the word of God? What kind of soil is my heart right now? Is it the wayside that gives opportunity for the enemy to snatch it up so there's no fruit that comes from it in my life? Is it rocky? Am I hard-hearted? Hard to receive the word? It may have a little bit of an effect and start to grow, but then there's no depth and it dies? Am I a prickly kind of person? And there's weeds there's stuff that takes precedence over being doer, a doer of the word of God. And every time something from the word speaks to me, every time there starts to be some kind of growth, the things around me choke that out, and there isn't any possibility for me to produce any fruit. That's scary for me. God, I don't want to be any of these things. I don't want the things of this world to take precedent over what you're trying to teach me in your word? And then you see somebody who has a heart that's fertile and willing to receive the word. And they progress spiritually. They grow up. And you ask yourself, why am I still dealing with the same things? Because it's time to grow up. It's time to make sure that you're not given opportunity for the enemy to come and swipe what God's trying to sow into your life out. It's time to soften up your heart in those areas that you have a hard heart about and there's no reason for you to. It's time to trim the garden and get rid of the weeds. 
the confidence in the things of this world so that our hearts can be in the right place to not just hear, but to receive and be doers. One of my favorite verses is in Romans, especially about the word when we talk about the word of God. One of my favorite verses is Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that hearing is the actual, like, receiving and hearing. Not just in one ear and out the other. Faith comes by hearing. I have experienced people coming to salvation in Jesus Christ just from hearing the word. And at first they were opposed. They didn't want to hear it. They don't care. But the more that they hear, the more that God's word is revealed to them, they start to ask questions. This happened uh, for one instance, one of my favorite examples of this. When we were in Croatia, Everybody told us when we were getting ready to go out and plant this church in Croatia, everybody told us you should really use a believer to translate. You don't speak the language yet, so get somebody who, who is a believer to translate for you because you don't want a non-believer translating you know, for you from, from uh, English into Croatian. And that's great, you know, if there's believers <laughs> in the place where you're going. The problem was that there was no believers, that the churches were very small, and we weren't in a position where we can be like, hey, uh, hey, can you guys come from your church over to our church and translate? Because we can't have a non-believer translate for us. No, but then I, I remembered this verse, and I'm like, maybe if, if, if we have a translator, and you, you know, you, you, you're not going to be able to convince somebody to do that for free, but there was this teenage girl that spoke excellent English, and, and I asked her, hey, would you translate for us, and we'll pay you. She, we are, listen, I don't know if this is offensive to anybody, but we are paying her to come to church. And she'd sit there week after week, Bible study after Bible study, repeating the same things, reading the same things that I was saying, and it wasn't long before she was completely opposed to the gospel she started to have questions. What about this? What about that? The word of God started to produce faith in her life. And we were seeing it. We were experiencing it. I'd even send her a text message like uh, uh, the day after church and be like, hey, listen, this is the verses, this is the chapters that we're going to be covering next Sunday or Wednesday Make sure you start reading it now so that you, you're ready, you know? You don't even have to read it from, you know, like it's the first time on Sunday, but that you're familiar with it. She's like, that's a great idea. I got this girl at home reading her Bible. <laughs> and it's funny because it was just her birthday yesterday, and I wrote her and I said, happy birthday. We love you. We miss you. She's still walking with the Lord strong. And it wasn't Calvary Chapel. It wasn't some denomination. It wasn't some social experience. Because we were Americans, we had something to offer. It was the Word of God that produced faith in her life and started to create change. 
where she was able to respond. If it's true initially for her and for other people as well, we've seen, then it's true for us today too. Like when we hear the word. Is it something that we're meditating on? Is it something that we're processing through? Is it something that we're asking God? Or are we reading our chapter to say, hey, I started to read through your Bible in January. I'm going to do it this time. I don't even know what I'm reading. Faster, faster. I got five more chapters. We're going through the book of Psalms on Wednesday night. In Psalm chapter 1, we, we, we see that uh, a, a man who's in God's word is like a tree planted by a stream of water. Bearing fruit in its season. Planted. And the tree that's not planted by the water, but is dependent on somebody else to water it, down the way, it's not as healthy and fruitful as the tree that's planted by the water. And meditates on his word day and night. That word meditate is connected to mull over, process, think about. But we're so quick with information these days. What's the new Twitter? What's the new headline? What's happening now? What's the next executive order? We don't process through things and think about it. It's the idea and picture of a cow chewing the cud. Right? The cow, it goes and grazes and it chews the cud. Correct? And then once it's done chewing, what does it do? It swallows. And then what does it do after that? It goes to the bathroom? No, it regurgitates back into its mouth again. And it continues to chew the cud, to process it. And it goes down again later. It comes back up again. I'm not trying to gross you out. This is a picture of meditation. It's not just something that you go through. It happens once when we're meditating on God's, on God's word. We're processing it over and over and over again. A few weeks ago, I was really excited about one Sunday message in particular. I was, I was fired up, excited. Man, this is so good. I can't wait. This is going to be sweet. And we get, you know, get going through the week. And then, and then Wednesday night, my, one of my kids started throwing up. And then Thursday night, the next started, you know how it goes. You know, the, the next one started throwing up on Thursday. And then on Friday, the next one started throwing up. And just the, for the sake of, 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 of love and compassion for my brother, I texted Grant on Friday and said, bro, I am not sick. I'm not planning on getting sick. But I'm not stupid either, okay? I know how this thing goes, and it's going. So just in case, you might want to start getting ready for Sunday so that you can, so you can uh, teach for me. He's like, all right, right on, sweet, you know? Friday's fine. Saturday's fine. I wake up Sunday morning at 6 o'clock. Hmm. Sick. Like, well, Lord, I know that you got some sweet stuff from Brother Grant to share this morning. I texted him, I'm sorry, bro. I'm throwing up. It's all over the place. Not just kidding. Sorry about that. My stomach's hurting. I'm not in a good place. You're going to have to share, you know, this morning. And then what happens? That, that day goes by. It was a 
this always happens to me. It was a 24-hour bug. I was, I was, you know, 60% on Monday. I was feeling much better. And then Tuesday, it's like it never even happened. You know, I'm like, wow, man, I, I hate missing church. And the Lord's like, you know, I wanted to give you a little bit more time in this word. And I'm like, I don't need any more time. I was ready, Lord. I was so excited about that word. And then as I continued to meditate on it through the rest of that week, the Lord blew my mind. Like I got, a, I, saw, I saw from a whole different perspective something that God was showing me that I was able to bring the next Sunday. And, and the word, the Lord's word, was better developed and it was just, it, it, I learned more than I, than I thought that I, I thought I knew everything about it, if we're going to just be honest with each other. I thought I knew what was up. And the Lord's like, you don't know what's up, man. You need to meditate more. You let me in your house. We should have food together. I'm like, all right. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Are we hearers and doers or are we hearers only? As we wrap up this understanding of what uh, the parables are of the word of God, the focus. We go into the, the last four. What we see in the first parable is, is that Jesus is, is teaching them. He's teaching them four points. One, he's teaching them. He says, listen. The second point we see is that he gives a parable, which is a way of communication. It's to help facilitate the teaching the third thing is that he ins- he's instructing specifically about the word of God. The point is, hey, if you want to understand all the other parables, remember that this is connected to my word. It's connected to my kingdom. It's not just about anything. And then the fourth thing he does in, does in this first parable is he warns them. He's warning them. Listen, be careful. If you have ears to hear, hear. Get ready. And then verse 21, also he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The parable is not supposed to be a means of communication to keep something secret. That is not what Jesus is saying. And he wants to make this clear by giving the parable of the lamp. This isn't some secret society. This isn't some uh, religious elitist that's going to happen. They're not going to be only 144,000 get to go to heaven. We're the only ones that have the message. Jesus says, this is the good news. Listen, it's being spread liberally. And for somebody who has a lamp, you don't hide it. It's there to expose. You hold it up. And he wants the, the, the specifically, he wants the disciples to understand that that's what the intention is for the gospel. It is something that is supposed to be exposed and given out. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. There's an accountability in God's word. 
It's like your father or your mother when you're growing up saying, hey, don't do this thing. Don't do this thing. And then you do it. And they say, I told you so. And now there's an accountability for it on top of it. Because you didn't listen, because you didn't hear, because you were given every opportunity. And God is saying, I'm giving you guys opportunity. I'm telling it in parables. People can understand. You can come ask me. This is not a secret issue. I want everybody to know it's going to be like a lamp lighting up the room. But be careful. Because what you hear and receive, we're not talking about in one ear, out the other. What you hear and what you receive, you're going to be held accounted for. And if you are held accountable for the word that's spoken and you receive it, more will be given to you. You'll be able to continue to receive it. But whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I think there's an element of discipline in those words. And our position now shouldn't be, Lord, why would you take anything away from anybody? But it should be, Lord, am I doing, am I hearing what you're saying? And am I responding rightfully? Because if you're always in that mindset, the first one, then you'll never be in the second. Never. If you're always saying, God, what is this that you have for me? What am I hearing from you? How can I be a doer of the word and, and receive what you're, you're trying to give me, what you are giving me. So we see the parables about the word. We see it's not a secret in the second parable. We see that we're going to be held accountable for it in the third parable. And then here's the fourth. These two focusing more on the big picture. Verse 26. And he said the kingdom of God is... is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade and then the head, after that the full grain in the head. Then when the grape grain ripens, immediately he puts this in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, when we take into consideration this parable that we just read and the others, what would be the natural line of progression that Jesus is, that Mark is putting together for us to understand about Jesus? Now he's starting to talk about the kingdom of God, the big picture, not just people individually and how they respond. So, okay, first, the, the, the key is that it's the word of God. The second thing is, is that it's not a secret God wants everybody to know. The third thing is there's going to be accountability for those who do here. And the fourth thing is that when the word does come, the sower sows seeds, but he doesn't do anything to make it grow. God is going to bring the increase. And when we looked at it singularly before, now we see a corporate response or, or work of God where the whole crop is growing and, and people are growing up as individuals, but corporately to the point where the man doesn't understand. I wake up in the morning and I go to sleep at night and it just keeps growing and it produces fruit to the point where it's time for the harvest and then the harvest is taken. 
What started out to be small, what started out to be sowing, ends in great reaping. What starts out for us, sometimes that we don't think it's so important, even in regards to the word, reading the word on a daily basis, the reality is, if we continue to do it, it brings forth a harvest. Now, again, he's talking about going in the direction of the kingdom of God. And then we see the, the, the size or the capacity next in this fifth parable. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed. When it is sown on the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. The fifth one, speaking about the kingdom of God, says it's starting now, the mustard seed. Could you imagine what the disciples and the people following Jesus thought? about him being the Messiah and the expectations for him to restore the kingdom and all these things. And they were nothing. They were were small. Maybe they had a bunch of people following Jesus, but his group of 12, 13 people and then the greater 70, that they were insignificant in the grand scheme of things, especially going up against the Roman Empire. And Jesus said, maybe it's the smallest of the seeds, but it's going to grow to be so large that even the birds of the air are going to find shade under its branches. Now, where are we now? Thousands of years later, where we've seen the kingdom of God. We say, did God's kingdom really come? Look at the world. Look at how the gospel has impacted people's lives. Look at who you were before you received the word of God in faith. And tell me, even on the individual level, tell me that that little mustard seed of faith that you demonstrated in the beginning of your faith hasn't grown into a great large bush. It has for me. I've shared with you guys multiple times. I'm nowhere near the same person I was before. But it started with a mustard seed. It started with something that I said, God, if, if, if I'm submitting myself to you, if I'm submitting my, my life to you, is there really going to come something from it? He's like, dude, you don't even know what you're asking. You don't even know what you're talking about. Of course. Of course it's going to. Birds in Scripture, we see in the first parable that Jesus talks about a bird. What was the first uh, example of a bird that we saw in this sandwich? It was, it was the enemy. And when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, it's gotten so great that even people who are not part of it can, can blend in and reap the benefits of it. 
Jesus tells another parable in a different gospel about how, yeah, uh, there's this guy who has a field and he goes and he sows the crop and then his enemy comes in in the night and he sows weeds along so that it will choke out the crop. It would would be a, 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 a bad crop for him. And his servant goes and tells his master, hey, the enemy came in the night and he sowed this seed. And the master says, let the weeds and the and the and the good and the, the let the wheat and the tares grow together and then when the time of harvest comes you 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 harvest the wheat and you take the tares and you throw it in the fire this would be connected to the warning like what what really are we looking to be a part of the kingdom of god for is it because we want to know him is it because we want to receive his word? We want to be doers? Or is it because it's comfortable to find shade in something that is righteous and right, but we're not really right? Yeah, I'm all for the come as you are. It has to be like that. And that's everybody that Jesus talked to. But there has to become a point where you're not the same person anymore. You're not just reaping the benefits of a community, but your submission to God produces fruit in and through your life and into other people's lives. So Jesus is getting serious. He's had these people following him for a while. He has this opportunity to teach them what the big picture is. Is that what we are able to see this morning? Do you guys see it? What the big picture is from the individual person to the conditions of the heart all the way to the greater kingdom and plan that he has for all of humanity. And he kind of laid it out in these five parables and allows us, especially now since we've been given the mysteries because we're connected to Jesus, he allows us to have an opportunity to respond to what he's trying to teach us. Now, we talked about a lot of things this morning. I can't tell you what the Lord's trying to speak to you, but I can tell you what he's trying to speak to me. Because you have to respond yourself. You have to receive yourself. You have to be a doer so that you can also be a producer for the kingdom and glory of God. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've given us the the meaning. We thank you that you've given us the interpretation and that you've made clear to us that not only have you spoken your word once, but but you're going to continue to speak to us. We're able to continue to receive from you. And we pray, Lord, that that would be true for us today that we would receive that we would identify what we need this season because it's something that you've been speaking to us and we would respond to you. That we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. That we would cultivate the soil of our hearts. That we would see more produce come from our relationship with you. That our fellowship would see more produce come from our corporate relationship with you. And even though sometimes it's difficult to hear the rebuke or it's difficult to hear the warning, you are faithful to give it to us. We need it. 
Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen.